0: So today, the shoe is on the other foot, and I will be joined by one of my best friends, Gav, who I guess will be interviewing me. Um, It's a bit of a strange one, and certainly not an episode that (laughs) I thought I would be doing. Um, But yeah, it should be fun, and as I say, I've known Gav for a long time, and I keep getting messages on Instagram saying maybe you should do a podcast about yourself. So this is that episode.
1: Okay, James, good evening. How are you? <laughs> good, thank you. How are you doing?
0: I'm not too bad. It's a little bit strange being on the other end for once. Because um, yeah, I normally feel really prepared and I've got loads of questions ready and just see where the conversation goes. But obviously this time I don't have any so
1: <laughs> yeah I bet you're, uh, you're making me panic Then there with your preparedness
0: yeah I mean it kind of made sense obviously I've explained already but we've known each other uh well five coming up to five years now um yeah. so yeah I felt it was it made sense for us to do it together rather than just me talking into a microphone and boring the hell out of everyone <laughs> so hopefully oh, definitely that a better way of doing it but yeah I mean fire away I guess um we'll start with a few questions and then we'll see where it goes
1: yeah definitely um I mean it's mad that it was five years ago I do not think of the first year of uni as being five years ago (laughs) um but yeah so I guess first of all um how are you doing at the moment it's a a weird time I guess I know you're up in Northumberland yeah um how's that how's that day-to-day looking like at the moment
0: um, yeah, it's okay. Um it was sort of a really weird um I guess that since I graduated it's been a bit sort of chaotic. Um I moved out to Mallorca um and I was living out there and working out there, which was an experience in itself. Um and everything was running pretty smoothly. And then yeah, in sort of the space of twenty-four hours everything went from fine to awful and we were told we had to fly home. So um yeah, since last, since the start of last March, I've been at home and, um, it's kind of, I guess, been strange. It was never part of the plan to move back, but equally, you know, everyone's in the same situation. Um, and I'm very, very fortunate that, you know, I've got very supportive parents who can look after me when I'm not earning any money. And, um, yeah, so, came back last March um, still worked for the centre that uh, I'd been working out in Majorca, but um, unfortunately couldn't afford to pay me um, like a lot of people and then from there I guess tried to sort of find little part-time jobs to keep myself going um, and that's still pretty much the situation I'm in. Um, Fingers crossed I'll be back out in Majorca this summer but like everyone it's a little bit uncertain at the minute
1: Definitely Um has there been any talk from the center yet on going back? Is it are you planning with a positive mindset?
0: Yeah. Um I'm fortunate, I'm really sort of lucky that basically the the owners of the center, um, there's only eight full-time members of staff, but uh which means that the owners of the center I'm very close with. So we've kind of been in touch the whole time, um, been keeping up to date in terms of how things are going. Um, things really aren't great at the minute. Um, they're, they're looking for quite a substantial amount of money to keep them afloat. Um, unfortunately just the nature of the, of the, the business means that none of our clients are from Majorca, So we're completely reliant on people flying into the Island. Um, the plan is to head back out, uh, around June time, uh, finish the summer season with, with the guys and, and see where September le- leaves us. But, at the minute um we'll only know on the first of April whether we're gonna whether we're gonna survive so it's a really difficult situation because on the one hand I'm kind of do everything I can in terms of helping the company but on the other hand you're sort of in the back of your mind I guess preparing um to have options if, if everything heads south
1: absolutely um yeah and I think for for me it's strange to think now we're nearly coming up to a year of this um, yeah, sure. so thinking back on to the, the position that you were in when uh, you had to fly home it, it's coming up to a long time ago now
0: yeah yeah I know it is and it's it was one of those situations where you know I obviously flew back with with Sal who you know and um, mm-hmm. it was you know it was a really weird situation because we there was no end point even at that stage um, we had in our heads that it would be six weeks um, and we were pretty certain that it would be, you know, somewhere between six weeks and 12 weeks, and then life would go back to normal. Um, you know, looking back, that was very naive, but I think a lot <laughs> of people probably thought the same. Um, but yeah, that's been the difficult part of all of this, you know, for, for in terms of various aspects of my life, it's, um, even now, there's no clear endpoint um, or, or sort of, it's impossible to plan. And I'm certainly someone that, I kind of like to know what's going to happen. I like to know what's happening next week, next month. I like to have things in place, and um, that's been <laughs> that's been pretty difficult.
1: Absolutely, I think yeah, I'm much much less of a planner as you well know, but uh, this is even pushing my lack of preparation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought it'd be interesting for me today um, if we could talk a bit more from a perspective of um or for an audience I guess who don't have as much familiarity with um diabetes Mm -hmm. so um I think a number of the other podcasts have been with some key people from the type one community yeah um but I guess it'd be interesting to to look back on from an outside perspective um so I've heard um that you were diagnosed at eight from the other podcasts um how was that experience what was the what was your mindset at that point
0: Mm. um yeah it's weird because it is it is one of those questions that that no one ever really asks me um and I guess I've been sort of quite enjoying sort of hearing the diagnosis stories of other people um I think in many ways since I started speaking to other people it's kind of become clear that maybe I was very fortunate to be diagnosed at eight um Mm -hmm. you know I didn't have many sort of set routines in place that had to be altered at that point um and I was very young so the majority of sort of major events within my life have happened with diabetes Um, I think when you're diagnosed a lot older it's it can be very difficult um so I remember it really clearly which I suppose isn't that surprising but um even at that stage I was I was really keen into my swimming I was swimming um you know a good few times a week and I remember I, I think my dad came in and just sort of said, oh you know you need to you need to basically wee on this stick and 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 uh, and I was thinking you know what the hell this is very strange and um, I guess when that something like that is requested of you you probably know something's wrong but anyway I I did it and I went off to swimming and I just remember him appearing just as I was about to dive in um, and saying oh like we need to just have a quick a quick trip to hospital and um, so I was obviously, you know, I was eight years old. I was I was pretty upset um, in the car on the way there. I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, and then, yeah, we got there. And, I, and, you know, I don't remember anything about what they told me in terms of being diabetic. I remember being quite proud when I came home to my sister and saying, oh, I'm diabetic, you know, you're not. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it was one of those things. I didn't really understand it. I remember my my mum being quite upset about it which is you know looking back completely understandable um, but yeah you know the, the only question or certainly um, you know what my parents remind me is that one of the only questions I asked was you know could I could I still swim um, which sort of mm-hmm. says a lot about my mindset at the time and, and how much I cared about the sport um, but yeah it didn't it didn't knock me it didn't um, upset me at the time it was just sort of it all happened very very quickly um and then i was sort of in hospital for a week or two and um and then it was it was almost like trying to go back to everything i'd been doing that was a huge thing for me sort of not trying mm-hmm. to change my life but actually just trying to replicate it um, and work out how diabetes was going to fit around it um and that's kind of the attitude that i've had since then but um yeah I guess looking back it was as I say I think not understanding that you're going to have it for the whole of your life and not understanding quite sort of how mentally draining it can be is is definitely a a benefit I think being diagnosed young really has its obviously has its disadvantages but does does have its uh, advantages as well
1: yeah and I guess at, at eight your mind's quite adaptable really you're you're still learning so much every year um i guess, yeah i guess you've got the benefit of not really knowing what what it's like to not yeah um, for sure.
0: you know I, I i remember one holiday before being diabetic you know i obviously remember other holidays are just the, the only time you know I, I remember the holiday right before being diagnosed and thinking back you know i think i must have been able to eat <laughs> you know eat whatever i want and not think about it um but certainly it's not you know it's not as you say you're very adaptable you're quick to learn new things and and certainly things don't phase you as much when you're eight years old definitely
1: and so did that relationship with being diabetic and how you felt about that Did that change as you got older i'm thinking starting secondary school you know any kind of differences um you often feel like it's a big thing did that change as you got older
0: I think in some ways, um, in some ways it did. In, in, in other ways, it was, it, it really didn't. I think, um, I remember the only time, the, the, there's a sort of phrase, diabetes burnout, which is basically you get to the point where you're just fed up of it and you're sick of it. Um, sort of the the 24-7 nature of it. Um, and you get to the point where you just you don't, you just give up trying to manage it. And I would say the only time, you know, it's a really serious thing. And it's certainly not something that, you know, I'm fortunate enough not to have really had to deal with that. But the only time I was close was maybe when I was sort of 14, 15. Um, and I guess it's a tricky age anyway. But um, I remember being really frustrated with it. To be honest, at school, it didn't bother me. Um, I was able to do everything that I wanted to, I was able to do what my friends were doing. And, you know, it, in terms of being diabetic and sitting in a class and learning it it doesn't affect it i think sport was was sort of the the thing that i was different um you know there was times i didn't get to do pe when i wanted to it was never um Mm -hmm. it was always just frustration i guess you know especially with swimming it was sessions that i had to miss it was you know competitions i swam badly in um when when i'd been up all night trying to figure out you know what my bloods were doing um at school as I say it didn't it didn't impact me too much but certainly there were times you know um you'd be sat in class having low blood sugar and and feeling absolutely awful and you know you're when you're when you're hyper when your bloods are low you're grumpy anyway and when some idiot you know starts moaning that you get to eat a Mars bar when no one else <laughs> does it, it, it can it can wind you up um, yeah. but no in, in terms of the sort of I think I was very fortunate that, you know, now I speak to a lot more type one diabetics who do have real issues at school. I think I was maybe fortunate that either I had very good people around me or it just didn't, uh, didn't seem to phase me and I didn't really feel the need to make a big thing of it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's good. And so you mentioned swimming there. Let's, let's talk about that because when I think of you swimming as one of the main traits. I mean it's not a trait, but one of the main things I think about, especially thinking back to uni when I would try my absolute best to get to a 9 a.m. lecture on time and I'd get there and you'd have been up since five, already done two hours swimming and still got to the lecture before me. Um but so when when did you actually start swimming?
0: Um so as I say I was I was swimming before I was diagnosed in terms of Mm -hmm. I joined the club so I was doing lessons and then I would I say I maybe joined a club um when I was eight but in the February um and then obviously was diagnosed in the November so I'd maybe only been part of the club for for six months or so um a little bit longer um yeah and then from there obviously I had a little break when I was diagnosed um and then very quickly sort of adapted my training I had you know a coach who I'm still friends with now um I'm very close with who who was brilliant and sort of very willing to learn, you know, he held his <laughs> hands up and said, I don't, I don't know anything about this. Um, so between myself, my parents and, and my coach, we, we got back on track and then, um, yeah, from there, it, it, it kind of worked wonders for me. So I was really pushed um, or, or not pushed. That's the wrong word, but, but I knew the benefits of doing it in terms of my diabetes control. So um, having that regular exercise was really beneficial um Mm -hmm. and then from there it just really spiraled and I started doing quite well when I was 11 um and sort of started you know going to national competitions and um and then it just sort of carried on from there and, and made my first sort of junior international team when I was uh when I was 15 and um and then went on to university and had ambitions and and obviously some of them happened and some of them didn't so um but yeah, it is very much, you know, when I stopped swimming, I was 21, 22. So I'd been doing it for, you know, 14 years and other swimmers can certainly probably relate to this, that it it does really become your identity. Um, and it's something that, you know, I've spoken to Sal about in particular a, a hell of a lot, um, in terms of sort of how you replace that, um, which can be quite difficult, but yeah, in, 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 in terms of, you know I started at eight and, and as I say it sort of grew from there
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's funny to hear you mentioned about identity actually because um not to do with swimming but I always did a lot of athletics around the same ages as you really yeah um and I stopped I think it was during our at the start of our second year of uni yeah yeah and it's that exact same thing of okay throughout school you were known as like the sporty guy or like the guy who does athletics and then it's yeah what do you do to fill that time um yeah, yeah it's, that's in
0: it. it's sort of a yeah it's it I guess it's a pride thing as well you sort of you know as you as you say if you're the sporty one at school or if you're you know I was certainly known as the swimmer so if you mm. you know once you stop that um and like you mentioned at university you know um I was even in terms of the exams that we sat obviously we we studied the same course but in terms of the exams that we sat I guess in the back of my mind I always kind of knew you know if I do badly you know I I came to university predominantly to swim so it's that sort of reassurance and, and then maybe that's a really bad way to look at it but you know in final year you know how difficult it was anyway so to not have that um i don't want to say excuse but to not have that you know oh well i was up at five thirty, or you know or at least okay i did badly in this exam but i achieved this in the pool it's sort of that yeah. um you you sort of become the same as everyone else and i think at university everyone's trying to be unique in some way and certainly when you give up the thing that feels like it makes you unique um it's quite difficult
1: i feel like especially at the university that we went to being Loughborough and the kind of top sport uni in the UK um there's definitely a a sport crowd and a not sport crowd there so it's
0: it's sort of you know I mean you know you you obviously know um at university my initial group of friends was 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 swimmers because you know we went to university three weeks early so we met each other I'd been there for three weeks before you guys arrived and you obviously, you know, a few people from being at competitions and you build up mm. friends and obviously, you know, with the exception of some people, including yourself, a lot of my closest friends are, are, um, you know, are, are swimmers. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those things. I feel like I've really sort of gone off on a tangent there compared to where your question <laughs> was, was meant to take me.
1: <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, so I guess you've put a lot of that energy then that you had for swimming into a bunch of different things the last, uh, well, year or so, I'd say, especially since the start of the pandemic. Um, one I've continually noticed is uh, you on the the bike. Um, because every morning when I open my Instagram, you've done another 50 miles while I've been sleeping. Um, <laughs> but how's, how's all that going? How's How's exercise within lockdown? Because I know that's something... A lot of people have been struggling with hmm. it seems to me like it might be one of the things you've been most focused on
0: yeah for sure I, no 100 you hit the nail on the head there and i think to a certain extent that was at least initially driven by the fact that you know it's a fact that um if your diabetes is is poorly controlled then you're more at risk of this horrible virus so that is obviously in the back of your mind that is a a driving factor to an extent but but you know only to an extent um when I came back from Mallorca you know as when I'd been in Mallorca I'd actually just got back in the water and I'd done my first race since I guess I hate the word retiring because I feel like (laughs) you're quite good to say that but in terms of quitting I guess um you know I'd got back in the water and I'd done my first race and it was the first time where you know I'd got a real buzz from it again um so I was kind of Really enthusiastic about everything, and and obviously then this happened, and I was back at home, and I was uh, I started running quite a lot, um, and and I was going out on the bike with my mum a lot, and you know I'd had a road bike for years and never used it, so, um, you know in terms of spending time with my mum and and sort of seeing lots of places that around where we live, it was absolutely brilliant, um, and at the same time I started a personal training course, so it, everything was kind of feeding feeding into that, um so everything was kind of sports themed I guess and then maybe five months ago yeah I I invested in um, Zwift so I bought a trainer for the bike so you just pop your bike on it and Mm. it's the first time where I've got a real buzz from competition that hasn't been swimming so you know I did my first race and And I came like twentieth, and I was like, you know, that's pretty shit. (laughs) I don't, don't (laughs) want to come twentieth. Like, why would I do something if I'm not good at it? Um, you know, and uh, and at the same time, I then found a type one diabetic team that are based on Zwift, and and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And you know, Mm -hmm. I found this community that are really competitive guys. You know, a lot of them are quite old, (laughs) uh, a little bit older than me, but you know hugely competitive and and race every week and there's various different leagues and i laugh because um you know i kind of bang on about it because i think it's the coolest thing ever but if you if you don't really understand (laughs) it it sounds really dull um but yeah no i i love it and and you're right in that sport has definitely and and fitness has definitely for me um gone up since (laughs) since since the start of the pandemic i'm cycling i'm running i'm you know i'm a lot more active um and yeah that's definitely one of the one of the bonuses and, and i guess i hope that when i do get back to some sort of normality and work becomes a thing again um yeah I still kind of make sure i'm i'm uh, i'm making time for it
1: definitely yeah no it, it does actually make complete sense to me the whole swift thing because um my dad's actually got a bike set up in the living room and he uses Rift, and he's got a, a local uh cycling club that he goes with mm. um and he tries to be competitive as well but I think there's a there's a fair few fast ones as well yeah <laughs> uh, so he always just comes in every the evening and tells me what his uh elevation is and yeah. how the how the young ones sprinted past him so easily
0: <laughs> well it is it's one of those things and it's you know it's because I've been doing it for a few months now you start to know different things and and if you're not really on it then then you know it just sounds as I say it sounds completely dull but no it's good and as I say (laughs) it is something that I wasn't aware of at all before the start of the pandemic and it's been a real um yeah just something I've really enjoyed and as I say I'm such a competitive person in general (laughs) and that's kind of I guess fulfilled (laughs) that in me which is yeah good in itself
1: so you mentioned personal training is that something you're thinking of career potential down the road or is it something you've done out of interest for now
0: yeah um so when i as i say when i came back from from majorca um i still for a good month or so was still under the impression that at the latest i would be back in in uh, in majorca for july and to be honest, it was one of those things that I thought, you know, if I am out there, if I'm working part-time, even if they can't afford to pay me or, or, you know, even if I'm working full-time and it's something I can do on the side, um, it kind of fit in. So, you know, I work at an elite, basically an elite sports center out there. So we, we you know, we have various different athletes coming out and it's sort of, I, in my head, it made sense to have yet, you know, another qualification that I could perhaps use. And also, mm-hmm. you know, I was faced with, potentially three months i thought of time where i wasn't doing anything because the center was closed i wasn't working i didn't have a job in the uk so i thought you know i'll 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 smash this out in three months um which obviously i didn't and i took my time (laughs) and that was frustrating because i'm now sort of rushing um yeah no it was something that sort of fit in with what i wanted to do and then to an extent still now it isn't something i would ever want to do um full time you know, I've got absolutely nothing against people that do want to do it full time. I think it's brilliant. I just think mm-hmm. for me, it will only ever be something I maybe do on the side for people that I know, um, or as part of another job. You know, if I go back out to New Yorker, and they can only employ me part time, as I say, um, it gives me the option to use it. And the good thing about the personal training qualification compared to other things um, is it doesn't expire. So you know, I could be five years down the road and decide you know I'm going to give it a whirl for 12 months and and I can do that so having it under my belt um was more it made financial sense and um yeah I guess to a certain extent I knew a lot of the theory already from just from my swimming career
1: yeah yeah that makes sense I didn't realize it didn't um run out that's uh there may be aspects yeah, really
0: of it that run out so
1: yeah, <laughs> this is your disclaimer. if anyone's
0: listening I'm sure and, and they disagree then I'm, I'm hold my hands up because I'm probably wrong um but I know it's not you know it's not one of these things that you have to do every 12 months for example
1: yeah yeah Fair. yeah don't take your uh your legal advice from this podcast
0: absolutely not <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um so I guess pandemic aside because yeah. I think we're all have had enough of that. What What are you seeing the next three, the next five years looking like? What What are your ambitions for? for once, the world goes back to normal. Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, um, it's really difficult because I, I'm kind of in a position now where, depending on what happens outside of my control, will sort of depend. You know, dictate what I what I do and which which choices I make. Um, at the minute, I would say. I'm probably sat on, on, on three potential routes. Um, I guess the first being, you know, going back to Majorca, um, and, and sort of just taking my job again. Um, so working full time out there, um, you know, living in, in Palmer probably, which would be a change. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess building some sort of life there for, for, for two or three years. Um, I guess the other option is is still moving back there, but working part time. Um, I've got a project that I'm working on at the minute with someone else, um, which sort of potentially may come to fruition at the end of this year. But again, um, it's trying to, you know, get that kick started and and get that off the ground at the minute. So it's not, you know, it's not something that I can just jump on at the minute because we might Mm -hmm. not be making money from that, you know, for 12 months. So, um, and then, and then I guess lastly, it's, it's sort of look elsewhere and, and, Perhaps still work on this project and and also um, you know get game work somewhere else. I think outside of employment, I, I think like everyone, this has really opened my eyes to just how important it is to sort of take opportunities when they come. Um, you know, there was various things I maybe didn't do that I that I wish I had now, and certainly in terms of traveling, um, you know, Sal and mm. I have a very similar mindset that. You know the money we do earn should be spent on on doing things and um, and sort of seeing new places and and you know individually as well. There's a there's a lot of things I want to do on my own, um, a lot of places I want to be, and 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 even a lot of places I maybe want to work for a few months. So, I guess uh, a really bad answer to your question. But in terms of three years, you know, I would. Um, in an ideal world, I'd still, you know, I'd lo- I'd love to be in Majorca, perhaps working part yeah. time at the job I was doing, um, and 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 have maybe two, you know, a, one or two projects of my own underway. Um, and then longer term, it's difficult to say. But Majorca is a beautiful place to live. It's absolutely stunning. It has its advantages. But um, you know, I'm nearly twenty four. Um, if I think five years from then or, or six years from now I'll be thirty. Um, it's not Don't the type of place I would I would maybe settle down um, yeah. so it's somewhere that I would look to gain a lot of experience and maybe use mm-hmm. the time there to, to to work on a few projects and then hope that by that point um, I could maybe run run with those but as I say you know I could get a phone call next week and say you know that the, the center doesn't exist anymore and and that's perfectly you know that that is that is potential it's not you know I'm not just saying that that is may happen um so yeah. been able to i guess to to rapidly <laughs> rapidly change those plans that i have but what about yourself yeah. oh well.
1: Wow. Um, flipped it on you I, there gav yeah <laughs> you did you did i'm not prepared um i think for me i'm i'm in a, a different position where i'm working full-time yeah and i think it's been really i've been really pleased that i i basically started my let's call it a graduate job once um six weeks before basically everything fell apart so we um yeah I'd I'd been at work for six weeks when we got the email that we were going to be working from home full-time and then haven't been back since so um I think we were saying the other day it's largely like just a repetition day on day of uh when you are working and we're in lockdown um so I think for me it's been a, a good year to to get experience and to work while there hasn't been a lot else to do um so I think definitely we'll I'll look to have more more fun and like you say take advantage of more opportunities over the next few years as things open up again um and as we're able to do more um so I mean for now I'm completely open to what that looks like whether it's living abroad whether it's a sabbatical whether it's a bit of traveling who knows but um I think for now, um, or for over the next couple of years, definitely keep focused on work. I'd also like to. I've got one kind of project in the background that I've been working on, not very consistently. So definitely an aim to to do that and to not just kind of have the the nine to five working life. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I think I think like you, it's the, the aim really to, is to have options um whether that's because of the uncertainty from coronavirus or just to give more options generally um so again not a very specific answer but uh <laughs> i think, just I think if anyone
0: has a very black and white specific answer at the minute though they need to be aware that they, yeah. you know that, that that it can change and even after this yeah, you know, i was sat this time last year in Majorca thinking you know, this isn't too bad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, two, two months after that, I was, I was on a plane coming back. So I think, I think another thing I would say is that it's been an eye opener as to how, sort of how quickly things can change. Um, and, and I'm very aware that, you know, there was various times over the, you know, the seven or eight months that I was in Majorca that I really took it for granted. And, um, mm. you know, just, I was in Majorca and, it, and and that was that, you know, it wasn't, I think it was only when I was speaking to other people and they were like oh you know it must be amazing that you really sit back and think yeah it's a it's an amazing place to be um so yeah I think that's another thing just making sure that I'm constantly reminded or remind myself that you know things can change very rapidly
1: (laughs) definitely yeah I think it's it's mad to think isn't it that uh, a pandemic was on pretty much all of the government's risk lists it was on kind of things to watch out for huge companies but it's just something people never mm. they rated so low and they never took, uh really considered it as a possibility but no i think it's it's working everyone up about being grateful for the position you're in really
0: yeah for sure for sure
1: um but so final question then i figure we need one focused on the title of this podcast um so type 1l and the kind of Um, type 1 diabetic community you're in now and the work on Instagram Um, I think it's been great to listen to the podcast and to see all of the the kind of information you're putting out there as well as the um, just kind of social community you've been building up so have you got any specific aims around that in in the coming months Um, or are you just going to continue to ride the wave of it really
0: yeah I mean so it was it was it was really strange, sort of how it all started. Um, I started it actually <laughs> maybe a few weeks before the whole pandemic started, um, mm-hmm. and I was in Majorca, and actually, so one of the girls that I spoke to, I think, uh, yeah, the very first podcast I did um, was with um, a girl who on Instagram is called Type One Travels, and mm-hmm. you know she's as as you can imagine, she sort of travels the world, and and. I she lives very near me um so I followed her on on my personal account and I thought you know that's quite cool but um I certainly felt I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I certainly felt that it wasn't something I particularly banged on about at school at university um you know even to those closest to me you were obviously aware of it but it wasn't something that I would preach to people about it wasn't something that I felt the need to kind of talk about and and i'd and i'd always been one of those people where you know as a diabetic you're invited to these sort of meet and greets i guess you they try and pair you up with other people who are diabetic in your region which is a good idea but when you're younger you the last thing i wanted was to be associated with other diabetic people because i didn't really see myself as having to be put in a category um Mm. so that as I say I followed you know type one travels and then there was a girl called Brit who who I followed as well um and I thought you know what what's the harm um and at the time I was kind of thinking in the back of my head maybe I want to do personal training and I had a few conversations with people and and thought you know if I go into it there are just there seems to be a thousand new personal trainers on Instagram every single day and everyone is telling you what to do and I thought, you know what? They need another one. <laughs> so, um, uh, but even I recognize at that point, maybe I need a specific niche and that's how it started. So I thought I'm going to post fitness content and call myself type one aisle. And I quickly realized that there was no connection between saying I was talking about diabetes and just generic fitness posts. And then it sort of quickly moved away from that. And it was more about myself. Um, what i was doing what i was eating where i was and um i wouldn't say it snowballed it definitely didn't i i spoke to a lot of people i got to know a lot of people um and it built up gradually very gradually it still is um you know i'm i'm not it's not you know it's not a numbers game it's it that's not sort of defeat the whole point of it but it has Mm. built up um and i'm at the point now where i've got you know, I'm, I'm certainly part of, of a really cool community. And, and it was as much for me, you know, it was a huge learning process because I, as I say, I'd always been very, very against the whole, I didn't want to be part of this type one community. I hated the idea of that. And then I quickly realized, you know, there's people in this community who are actually doing pretty cool things. Um, and the podcast had always been in the back of my head. You know, I actually, it's one thing looking at someone's Instagram, but it's another thing talking to them for an hour and actually getting to know them and actually getting to know the person, not just, you know, what their blood glucose level is on a Tuesday. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how it started. And then, as I say, I started posting more about um, not necessarily the the there and now it was all about, you know, things I'd done. I started talking about swimming. I started talking about diets that had worked for me and things that hadn't. Um, and I guess now I like to think that, yes, every now and again there's probably a post on there that, means absolutely nothing but the majority of them are you know at least intended to be useful and i think what's really interesting about the community is everyone is just putting out what they're doing but indirectly that's hugely helpful because you'll mm. see something um you know this whole low carb movement has just come out of nowhere and it's not something i would ever have considered. Um, and, you know, and, and, and yet I, I found myself talking to various different people about it and and, and actually teaching myself. And, you know, As I say, I've been diabetic for uh, nearly 16 years now, and yet I can go on Instagram and every now and again there'll be one post that really is an eye-opener. Um, and I love that I'm part of that. So, um, yeah, it's got me to a point now where I guess I have a very, 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 very small platform, um, which is a lot of fun and as I say introduces me to a lot of people and in terms of where it's going to go um, I'm not particularly sure I'd like to sort of be more on top of the website that I made I'd like to be more on top of this podcast in terms of just getting people on it and talking to them because I think um, it's interesting more than anything Um, Mm. and I guess eventually maybe the whole personal training thing I'll do a 360 and come back to it and maybe that can be something I would offer but at the minute, um, you know, it's a, it's another sort of endless project. There's no real end point for me. I will still be diabetic tomorrow and the next day and the next day and as will everyone else. So you, you know, things are always happening. Um, and I like to think that when the world gets back to normal, a lot of these people who I do class as friends now after, you know, doing it for, for nearly a year, um, you know, I like to think maybe the opportunity to start developing things, um, you know actually in person and get to know these people um is would would be an option but yeah i guess i guess another very poor answer to a very straightforward
1: (laughs) (laughs) no it's all good and i guess it's all just it's all just more options isn't it which is never a bad thing
0: yeah for sure no it is um but yes so do you have was that your final question gav
1: that was my final question so thank you very much for uh letting me ask the questions and putting you on the other foot
0: no of course and and i think you know when i started it i really didn't want it to be um me talking into a microphone you know there are various people even type 1 diabetics that do that that are very very good at that and i think Mm. um for me initially it was all about sort of providing a platform for for not necessarily people with the most followers but people that i think have done pretty cool things or are doing pretty cool things um but increasingly i was getting messages sort of saying you know maybe you should actually mention yourself and uh (laughs) now i've done it so thank you very much for for agreeing to be on and um I know you were worried about fluffing your words, so (laughs) you didn't. But no, Gav, thank you very much. And and we'll obviously speak afterwards, but no, I do appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: Take care.